The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. Jesus wants the faith in your heart to act in your life. Let me say that another way. Um, You're going to go to heaven because you have faith in Jesus, not because of any good things you do in your life. But don't then listen to the sinful voice inside your head that immediately concludes, well, then uh, it's really not that important to do good things for Jesus. Don't don't listen to that. Jesus says, you are the children of God, and he wants you to look like it. Because your good works, your Christian life, they serve two very important purposes. They glorify your Father in heaven, and they are of countless benefit to the people around you. So Jesus' message to you today is be what God has made you. You are the salt of the earth, he says. So be it. You are the light of the world. So be it. Jesus uses these pictures of salt in the earth. What happens if it's not salty? It's thrown out. He says the light of the world and uses a picture of a city on a hill. I uh, grew up in a part of Michigan that was extremely flat. Like so flat, we didn't have five feet of elevation in 20 miles. Right? This was so flat, like when I was a kid, I never knew what it was like to ride a bicycle up a hill or down a hill. I read about it in books, but I'd never experienced it because there was no hills. It was so flat that if we wanted to go sledding, sledding is something you do up north when it's so cold and the sun is only out for three or four hours and you have to do something with your children so you have them slide down hills on, on things, sledding. It was so flat, they had to pile up piles of dirt for us to go sledding on in the winter. That's how flat it was. <coughs> Excuse me. And so keep this in mind. <coughs> Sorry, that's going to sound great on the recording. So where was I at? Oh, very flat. So one time I was a teenager, I was working for a farmer, driving a truck full of vegetables to the farmer's market. And uh, there was an accident on the interstate, so had to get off that and start taking some back roads. This was long before Google Maps. And so it didn't take long before I was kind of turned around, didn't know where I was going. But you know, I looked over to my right, miles and miles away, you could see the pink glow of the city. You couldn't miss it. You turn the truck and point it in that direction, and you, you get there. Now think about that. That was on the flatlands of mid-Michigan. What if that were a city on a hill? Jesus said he wants his church to be like a city on a hill. Can't be missed in the darkness. If I could see a city for miles on the flatlands of mid-Michigan, think about the point Jesus is making for you, his church when he says he wants you to be a city on a hill. He wants you to be something that the people of this community can see in the dark and use to find their way. People who are lost in darkness can come to find peace and light and safety. What does that mean? Well, certainly for us as a church, it means serving our community, helping people as they need to be helped, 
If they need clothes, we'll clothe them. If they need food, we'll feed them. If they need to be loved, we'll love them. That's part of being the light of the world, of being a city on a hill. But you know, each of those things that we do in our community, we have to remember are, are symptoms of a greater problem. And one thing that Jesus wants us to be when we're being a city on a hill is to be a church that's not just focused on the symptoms, but's also focused on the problem. Right? There's lots of broken things in this world. I mean, in our community, we've got broken homes and broken hearts and broken lives. But those things are just the presenting problems. Right? Imagine you go to the doctor because you've got a sore throat and you've got a stuffed up head. And the doctor prescribes some uh, pain medication for your pain in your throat and some decongestant for your head and sends you home, but he doesn't do anything about the strep that's running rampant in your throat. You might feel better for a little while, but are you getting better? Of course not. You're getting sicker by the minute. Right? We can never be a church that addresses only the symptoms but doesn't address the problem. Because you see... Jesus, when he called us the light of the world, he was reminding us that he has provided the cure. And he's given to us, his church, the tools to share it. I mean, think about this. Jesus has given to his church the power of Jesus Christ to take away sins, to remove guilt, to restore someone's relationship with God through the gospel. We have an opportunity to show people that this broken world in which we live, this is not our final home. This is a flea-bitten motel we stay in on the way there. And there's a place that's being prepared for us by our Heavenly Father, a mansion that we can't begin to imagine that doesn't have any of these broken parts. We will always be a congregation that doesn't just serve the symptoms, but a congregation that brings the gospel to the problem, a problem that all of us have, and we know that our community shares. We will be a city on a hill, a place where everyone in our community who's lost in the dark can look and find their way here and find a place of peace, a place of love, and a place of light. You know, uh, Jesus uses that expression of don't take a lantern and put it under a bowl. Or like we said with the kids, you know, th throwing a bucket over top of your electric blanket it's, or over your top of your electric lantern. It's almost uh, surprising Jesus says that because, I mean, why does he have to point that out? Who would do this? Who during a thunderstorm outage would put a bowl over top of your lantern? It's... Maybe he says it because you might never do that with your electric lantern. But maybe he says it because each of us do it all the time with the light that Jesus wants us to shine around us. Right? I mean... Uh, God leaves us here to shine the light of his love into the hearts of the people around us, maybe first in our family, then among our friends, and then among our community, and then the world. Let me ask this, though. If you're teaching your children that Christianity is moderately important in your life, aren't you putting a bucket on your lantern? If through your words or actions you're communicating to the people around you that... Uh, um, recreation or sports are more important than worship. Are you putting a bucket on your lantern? If by your words or actions you're telling people that what you feel or what you think 
is more important than what God's word plainly says? Are you not putting a bucket on your lantern? Jesus calls on us today and he reminds us that we are different than that. He said, you are the light of the world. That's what you are. It's what I've made you. So be it. Don't put a bucket over your testimony. Don't put a bucket over the priorities that are meant to be for Christ. Be the light of the world to your family, to your friends, to your world. Jesus said, you're not just the light of the world. He said, you are the salt of the earth. That picture is a, well, it's a really important one. Remember, in, in the ancient times, they didn't have refrigeration. So if you caught more fish than you were going to eat in a day, you know what fish smells like on day two? Day three? Day four. As soon as you harvest that fish, it starts to rot, right? You and I, we'd throw it in the fridge. They didn't have that. What they had was salt. If you take that fish and you salt it, and you cure it, or you harvest that deer and it's more than you and your family or clan can eat in a week, you take that meat and you can salt it and it preserves it. Right? It keeps it from rotting. It saves it for future use. Now Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't take very much looking around to be able to tell that the sin in this world means this world is rotting. Right? But God's not done with this world yet. He's got a timetable for when he's going to be done with it. He hasn't shared that with us, but he's not done with it yet. And so when God wants to preserve this world, he sprinkles it with salt. Sprinkles salt all over it. Guess who he's sprinkling? He's sprinkling you. Christians. Christians are meant to be that which preserves this world and keeps it from rotting to the core. Now, what does that mean? How do we then act like that? How are we salt of the earth? Well, maybe for you it means to be a Christian citizen of this country, to stand up for what's wrong, or excuse me, stand up for what's right and denounce what's wrong. For you, it probably means living as a Christian neighbor, that everyone in your community knows that you're someone who will choose the good and not the questionable. It means being Christian employees and parents and students letting our faith be out front. Because God says by doing that, we are preserving this world. We're keeping it from rotting to the core. It makes a difference that we are there because we are the salt that this world needs. Now, i got to say, every time I go through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and I hear these words he says to us, it's kind of a kind of a heavy list, right? You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Don't put it under a bowl. Don't lose your saltiness or you're going to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. There's a point at which every time I read those words, I, uh, I feel completely inadequate to the task to which Christ calls us. I don't know about you, but maybe you're like me and when you look in the mirror, you don't see the light of the world. <laughs> you, you see a bucket with a little sliver of light coming up from underneath it. I don't know what you think, but maybe you're like me, and when I look in the mirror, I, I'm not struck by, boy, there's the salt of the earth. There's a man who's keeping this world from rotting to the core. There he is. Maybe if you're like me, you see someone who doesn't act quite salty enough. Maybe a person who too often looks like the rotting parts of this world 
instead of that which is meant to preserve it. Maybe you're like me, and uh, you hear the words about living as God's children, and you look in the mirror and you think, the only thing that the Heavenly Father is going to see from my life is one grand disappointment. Maybe you're like me, and you want that righteousness that God demands from us. You wish you could give it. You want it like a hungry man wants food, like a thirsty man wants water. You want it, but you don't have it. If you're at all like me, then listen to the words that Jesus says right before our text for this morning. Words, uh, words meant for people like me and you. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. For they will be filled. Okay, here's Jesus' promise. He's going to fill us up with a righteousness that's not our own. He's going to give us a righteousness we didn't earn or deserve. He's going to take those sins for which we are ashamed, and He's going to cast them into the heart of the sea. He's going to take those things that still make us burn with guilt, and He's going to say, I've forgiven them and forgotten them forever. And then when God looks at you, He's going to see nothing but a person wrapped up in Christ's own righteousness, a person about whom God says, I've forgiven your wickedness and I can remember your sin no more. He's going to look at you and see the children of God that He's always wanted. He doesn't see disappointments. He doesn't see failures. He sees exactly what He's made of you. You are righteous. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now God says to you today, you are righteous. And that means you are a few other things too. You are the light that this world needs. You are the salt that keeps this earth from rotting to the core. You are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, God's treasured possession. This is what he's made you. Now he calls on us to give him glory by being what we are. And on the days when we don't or can't, hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. God grant it. Amen.